0: Again, the emphasis, of course, in becoming a, a, a redeemed lyricist, the point I'm just trying to make is we got to begin to ponder and chew and meditate, but not just on anything. Like, not just on, you can't chew on how you feeling. Cause I'm t- you're feeling. Because you're going to just say some more craziness. I hate them. I can't stand them. I don't like them. And you just chewing that. ya yagga, ya yagga, yagga, yagga. As soon as you talk, you just spew, just, just. Just like a king cobra, just light folk up. And, and what we're supposed to do as Christians is we're supposed to be, we're supposed to utilize our tongue for the glory of Christ. And so because of that, we, we have a lot of responsibility as it relates to our tongue to properly utilize it. Now, let's talk about sinful uses. Then I want to talk about redemptive uses. Y'all still with me? Okay, the, tongue, the, 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 use, um, the sinful uses of the tongue Turn over to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Let me, I want to park on slander. It's a, very, it's, a, it's, a, it's a much needed term to explain. It's going to help your prayer life. It's going to help how you talk about people. It's going to help it. I'm going to tell you the difference between slander and when it's proper to talk about someone for the purpose of edification. Slander, the word slander there is an interesting term. It, it's indigenous to a term that was used when Joshua and, and Caleb went with the other ten into the promised land. And it says, and they spied out the land. The use of the term has the sense of a person going out. Spying something out, getting information, putting it in their heart, going back to someone else and giving them a report. Now, it can be used as redemptively or unredemptively. Of course, Joshua and Caleb's slander or spying, you wouldn't translate it as slander there, was was redemptive usage. But here, it talks about the person in life. Let me explain what a slanderer is. One who is inspired by hatred. And inform by innuendos and half-truths. This is a slanderer. Man, I think so and is going to get married. They are. They don't need to get married. I know it. I, I kind of thought that they don't need to get married, but I don't know them real well. The slanderer takes that and says, you know what Tiffany said? He said y'all shouldn't get married. And that's not what Tiffany just said. Tiffany says, I don't know because I don't know the person, Right? The slanderer takes that information and loads it with other things because they like to stir up mess. So the slanderer likes to throw mess in the mix and and, and stand back and go like this and and watch stuff get jacked up. I don't know about so-and-so. Man, I'm telling you, I heard they ain't heard jack. But they want to take that tidbit and use it as the rule. You know, when you make gumbo, the key to gumbo is the roux. You can have shrimp. You can have scallops. You can have chicken. You can have all that in gumbo. But if you don't have a good roux, you ain't going to have a good gumbo. See, listen, that's what a a slanderer likes to make a good roux. They like to make a good roux that mixes up mess, though, not anything that tastes good. One who one who um, distorts and exaggerates beyond recognition, my man Walkie says. One, one uh, uh, who expresses hatred by coming against the character of another through creating doubts in others' mind through limited information. So the slanderer likes to paint a picture of somebody they don't like in a way that they're not so that people can look at them in a different way. See, that's what a slanderer does. That's what Satan is. Satan is an accuser or slanderer of the brethren. See, see, Satan's way is, you, you see what I'm saying? He went into God, he was, he skipped in with the sons of God. He said, hey, hey, God said, What you been doing, Satan? Oh, you know, just chilling, walking the earth, you know, seeking who I may devour. And God was like, <laughs> God was like, how about my servant Job? Oh, see. I mean, like, you know, I tried a couple of times, but it's like this unseen thing around him. Like every time I try to get up on Joe, it bounces me back. But I guarantee, I guarantee he ain't as righteous as you said he is, God. If you take the hedge of protection away, he'll front on you. That's slander. That's slander. He wanted to destroy his character before God. See, the enemy, the Bible calls him in Revelation chapter 12, the accuser of the brethren. That means he, and and the Bible says he does it day and night. He's always bringing our names up to God for how unredeemed we are. He's always bringing us, like, like he's always downing whether or not the cross has really impacted us. That's the ways of the devil. If you are a gossiper, if you are a slanderer, Jesus said of the Pharisees that you have a different father. God is not your father. The devil is your father. If you like slander, if you thrive on slander, the Bible says you might not know God, but you sure enough know Satan. So the challenge, with so we got to be careful with it. we got to be careful with the information that we have. Some of us can't keep anything in confidence. We're telling people to be in community and be in relationships. But every time somebody tells you something, you tell it everybody knows, and then that person is isolating themselves out of Christian community. Why? Because you've told their business that they entrusted to you their community. A slanderer. So we got to be, don't like I'm telling you, you got to pray for so-and-so because they've been doing this and they've been doing that. That's slander. And so the Bible says that God hates the slanderer. But then this person also thrives off drama. Up in Proverbs, back to chapter uh, 15, verse 28, the B part, it says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evils. This is this is crazy. The, the word here for pours out means to gush out. It, it's, it's like, it's like when you at the party and you didn't know one of the little kids went up in there and did like this to the two liter and set it back on the counter and ran away. <laughs> and then you go, and anybody want some Pepsi? You open that joint up there, and it gets over everything. That's the idea of to gush out. says the person that's wicked in their heart has like fizz of a soda gushing out of their heart of wickedness they want to talk about. So he says, be careful of that. Evil things, the wicked heart again, as the breeding ground. And so again, in this passage, God, we want to we continue as a redeemed community to watch how we use our tongue. Now, let's talk about the proper uses of the tongue. I mean, there was so, let me tell y'all something. When I was working on this, and I, I, did, I did some of this years ago when I was teaching on the tongue. But it's so much info. I, I mean, it's too much. If, if you just put in tongue, mouth, speech, say something. I mean, you put all that into a concordance. I mean, you can't even you can't even write down how many scriptures it is on the mouth. The mouth is probably talked about more in the Bible than money is. Y'all gotta understand. Money's talked about a lot. Sex is talked about a lot. The tongue is talked about even more than those two. And so and so and so this is this is this is a very very comprehensive subject. But then I like the way it begins talking about proper uses of the tongue. The Bible talks about proper uses of the tongue. Turn over to Proverbs eighteen. I love the sound of that. Pages going around. This is probably one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. Uh, verse twenty and twenty one. It says, "From the fruit of a man's." Mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Interesting verse. Uh, I, I have uh, inter- uh, my, uh, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who tend to utilize this verse, for, uh, these verses in ways that biblically, I don't, uh, it, contextually, it's not, it's not talking about that, and I'll explain that. So when you use your tongue properly, you speak appropriately into the lives of others. It says, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Check out fruit, the word fruit, underline fruit. Underline the word lips. Now let me explain what, 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 what he's calling this. He's using this, this is what's called a synonymous parallelism. He's saying the same thing in two different ways. Okay, Fruit and lips are the same. I'll talk about that. It it represents, it's the nutritional value of what goes out of the mouth based on the characteristics of the information. So our lips bear fruit of what our heart has been stirring up. So he says the fruit of the lips or, or, you know, what comes out of the mouth is fruit. Okay. If it's also, fruit and lips, the, the issue is what, uh, what a person nurtures in their heart comes from their mouth. Therefore, they dispense words that are formed and are known for causing certain consequences in the lives of those who are spoken to cause a particular reaction. So all of us have fruit in our heart is the language or things that we want to say from our mouth all of those things produce a reaction in the lives of the others that we speak to. So that fruit can be encouragement that fruit can be discouragement that fruit can be a whole bunch of different things but it says it, it, but it's pointing to the fruit being the yield of the heart yield here. Is the quality of what's spoken. Stay with me. Because I'm going somewhere. It's the quality of what's spoken, is the yield of the fruit. So when you speak with your lips, your lips represent the fruit. What does the Bible say? Praise God with the fruit of your what? Lips. The fruit is the information that your lips espouse that your heart is passionate about. Yield is the quality of the fruit. When I go get a pear, I, lo- I love pears. And I like them cold. I don't like them hard pears. I like when they get a little mushy. And I know that a pear is right because I go to the top of it by the stem and I push that part right there to know what it's saying. I like pineapples. I like a good cold pineapple. You know, know how you know a pineapple is, is, is ready? You you take one the middle stem and you pull it a little bit. If it doesn't come out, that means it's not right. But if but if it's right, you pull it a little bit and snap, it go. that I mean, oh this it's juicy. If it come if it comes right out, cut it today cut it today it's right the Bible says that's a yield the yield the yield of the lips is the quality of the product of what your heart has been thinking about that you say out of your mouth to people around you the question on the floor that the psalmist is I mean the 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 sage is asking us is what is the quality of the fruit of our lips What's the quality of the fruit? Is it ripe or is it not ready? In other words, he's saying, know what to say, when to say it, how to say it. The fruit of our lips. But then, listen, to, he goes a little deeper with it. This is deep. He says, He says, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. Look at that word satisfaction or satisfied. Just in, this, this is how he's using it. It's kind of like a metonymy. He said, just as a stomach is satisfied by what goes in it in, in relation to one's appetite. So listen, you eat what your appetite is. They said a person puts in their heart what their verbal appetite is, right? So, so, so he's saying, he said your stomach, he said the person, based on the fruit of their lips, they say what satisfies them. Listen. Stay with me. In relation to Abel, so those, and that could be righteous or wise or fool, right? Because a fool puts in themselves what satisfies them, brings it out. A wise person puts in what satisfies them and puts it out. Now, the satisfaction is not just putting it out. But it's the reaction of what you said and how it impacts somebody else. Does that make sense? So the fruit and the nourishment of the person giving the information, they're satisfied based on how people are nourished off of what they say. Stay with me. He says he is satisfied by the yield of his lips. In other words, whatever the reaction of, of, of their lips is on the impact on the lives of others, that gives them satisfaction. Now let's look at verse 21. Based on that, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, death and life, or the tongue, rather, will eat its fruit. Stay here. I have, we have really godly brothers and sisters in Jesus who utilize this verse to speak as if human beings are able to do what we call out of Genesis chapter 1, ex nihilo, which means to speak out of, to, to, to call something into being that's not. In other words, giving human, some people believe that this verse gives Christians and Jesus creative power. In other words, you could say, come into existence this, heal or whatever. You could say that and it will happen because God speaks those things as not as if they already are, but it says God does that. And then it doesn't tell us to do it. That's number one. (laughs) Number two, number two, the context of this verse is relationships, not the general creation of humanity. So when you say life and death are in the power of the tongue, sometimes a lot of us have stayed away from the verse. Because we don't like we don't like the but 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 it's not talking about bringing something into existence and bringing something to death in the physical realm by your tongue. That's not what it's saying. Let me say what it is saying. It's kind of like a double entendre. Death and life based on the verse is the fruit of your lips. So what you say to a person, that impacts them emotionally or in their lives based on what you said to them stay with me that you say to them can bring life or can bring death now there's good life and there's bad life there's good death and there's bad death okay now let me explain that good good life good life is illustrated by encouragement someone being down Now, hold on. Let me back up. Let me back up. Back up. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 3 affirm what I said about death and life. The Bible says it is a time to kill and a time to heal because God has created a time and season for everything under heaven. So so based on that, there's good life, bad life, good death, bad death. Okay? Now, good life, of course, I was saying, is encouragement. And you ever been discouraged or not knowing what life, and someone said a a gracious word to you, and it was like cooling water on a dark soul. That's good life. Kanye don't know nothing about that. (laughs) T-Pain either. But, 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 but but that's good life. In other words, when you the, the, Ephesians 5, four says Ephesians four says when you when you you need to have words on your lip that give grace. Listen to how the the word the, the, the word says it. They give grace for the need of the moment. See see the Bible is so I mean it's it's banging. I mean. I mean I mean how you look at how how are you utilizing your tongue as a life-giving agent to people in your life But then there's bad life I have to, I have to confess something You know when 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 I first started walking with the Lord I I I I was I wasn't trained in how to treat females And so I wasn't going to slob you down. I wasn't going to have, I wasn't going to do that. But what I was going to do is when I got lonely, I would spend a lot of time with you. And and I, would, and I would say things to you that make you think that I like you in order to get an emotional reaction from you. But I really never really wanted to marry you. That's bad life. Because that births in somebody else's mind, whether male or female, an emotion of the fact you've given life to them liking you. And so what happens is it's bad life because you've given birth to something and somebody else that you don't plan on following through on. Bad life. That's bad life. I mean, I could, I could go all day on different examples of bad life. But remember, remember, God has given us the redemptive ability, not creative power. Out of nothing, but our words—whether you're saved or not—hits people, and it can it can bring life. Husbands, we gotta know how to talk to our wives, man. Wives, we gotta know how to talk to our husbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. <laughs> I ain't gonna say who that was. I ain't even gonna look at you, dog. You about to get tore up, up uh, wherever you are, wherever you are. I ain't even gonna. Damn. Amen, fellas. Everybody congregating in the bathrooms outside. Somebody getting jumped at the church, man. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, some of us as husbands have never spoken life into our wives. Our wives have to fish for a compliment. She get a hair done. She get her toes done. She get her feet done. And you're like, man, ESPN is dope. Baby, you see this. It's TV. Hallelujah. <laughs> we got we to gotta learn how to, we got to learn how to, and we're going to talk about this because in a few weeks we're going to get on what a wise woman looks like, an unwise woman, a wise, I mean, oh, yeah, both, and wise man and unwise man. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that in detail. But I wanted to give you an example of just, we, we need to be careful. Wives, some of you, your husband, like, especially if your husband, like, ever been unemployed or, you know, like, been through some hard times or he's not growing or what, just whatever it is, just whatever it is. Some Some sisters, <laughs> like, I mean, some cats wish that God would allow them to renovate their house so that they could have a rooftop, the Bible says. The Bible says it's better to be on the rooftop of a house and sleep there than to live in a house with a contentious woman. I mean, you are. <laughs> Why you do that? Why you ain't do it like this? If I did that, I did it like that. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to access or something. I'm going to, I got to go to the movies. I got to get out the house. <laughs> Fellas, y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen, praise God, hallelujah. Um, but good life, bad life. There's good life and there's bad life. Y'all are so crazy. Let's look at good death, bad death. Y'all still with me? Good death, bad death. In the same verse, he says, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death. So there's good death and there's bad death. And, of course, on both sides of of the equation, it's saying you want all life to be good life spoken and you want all death to be good death spoken. However, we live in a fallen world, so there's both. And in this verse, he's saying there's a good there's good death and there's bad death. Now, let me talk about good death. Good death is like a rebuke. In other words, when you say and this is all assuming everything goes well. and Sometimes stuff don't go too well. You know, so this is assuming it goes well. Um, but sometimes, like you say something to somebody, and, 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 and I mean, and they needed to hear it, and they get. Ticked off. I mean, they get so mad at you. I mean, I remember. I remember. I don't know what it was that my wife said to me that day. I'm trying to think of what it was. I may not even need to think about it. It made me so mad. <laughs> and I mean, she made me mad. I mean, I, I just I felt disrespect. But she wasn't disrespectful. And I was angry. But when I when I sat down and began to chew on it. The Holy Spirit moved in and began to help me out from becoming an abusive husband. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> and I and I and I and I had to go back and apologize for my reaction. Um, but I was like, "You were right. Um, that's that's good death." You need people in your life that can bring death to some things. If if you don't have some people in your life that can bring some good death, you are not going to grow spiritually. See, most of us like encouragers around us. That's good. But the Bible says, speak the truth in love. But keep reading the verse so that you may be built up in all aspects because the truth with love is edification. The truth without love is condemnation. And so you need people. The Bible says in 1, 2 Timothy 3 verses 15 through 17 that the word of, the word of God, uh, the word is inspired by God or breathed out by God and it is profitable for a group of things, and one of those things are exhortations or rebukes. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word in season, out of season, retort, rebuke, encourage with great patience and instruction. Good death. Some of us need to learn, and we need to, and it's an it's art, it's an art being a spiritual lyricist. This is at the core of it, and you gotta, you gotta do it over time. You got to be able to bring death. You got to be able to bring death to false doctrine, yeah. like somebody's not thinking right. Like some of us think we got all the right doctrine, and somebody come in and tell you something wrong, and you about to swing on them. But but I mean, from all the way from right doctrine to character issues, I got character issues that I need people in my life to bring death to. And it needs to be someone that you respect, but you need to be so mature that even if you think somebody's a peer. You can still hear a word of death from them. Because most of us have, I can only hear from him, him, and him, or her, her, and her. And if they don't say it, then I'm cool. That's not good. I got to move. I got to move. Bad death. Bad death. When you tell somebody, I wish you were never born. Some of, us, some of us have been said some things when we were growing up or while we're growing up that have taken the life out of us. I mean, that's bad death. When you speak into someone's life, and I mean that in the biblical sense, speaking into someone's life and bringing death that shouldn't die. The Bible calls that, Jesus calls that something different. He calls that murder. James calls it murders. James says, how can a a, a, a faucet, he calls our, our, our tongue a faucet for life. He says, how can bitter water come out of a place where sweet water is supposed to come out? But then ultimately, and finally, as I close, dang. well, I'm going to go through it. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. One of the things that you have to do is you have to create an environment of fruitful conversation. Turn to Proverbs 15. Look at verse 1 through 4. A soft answer turns away wrath. That's real practical. Some of us know somebody already mad, and we'll say something to, to, we'll do it anyway. I know I'm going to make her mad, but I want to push. Some of us know one another's buttons, and like a video game, we just push it. (laughs) But if the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath, soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Says the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, it holds knowledge. It holds high regard knowledge. That's talk about biblical knowledge. But the mouth of the fool pours out folly. Look at verse, look at verse 4 because I'm going to come back to verse 3. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Ah, oh, if I had time. But p- perseverance in it breaks the spirit. Oh, verse 4. I was in verse 4. Did y'all say what version? Oh, perversion. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. But yeah, per- perverseness. Thank y'all. And it breaks the spirit. So a, a person, we've already kind of talked about that, what, what that tongue does in relation to that. But then let's, let's, let's close out on this. I, I want to I talk about it, just two things before we close. Understand the proper use of the tongue is one of the first steps in spiritual growth in Jesus. A couple of things. 1 Peter chapter 1, chapter 2. I want to New Testamentize this. 1 Peter 2, 1. I'm going to be out of your way in a second. Verse 1, it says, So put away all malice and deceit, all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk of the word that by it you may grow up in salvation. Here it is. Peter is Peter, Peter's a loud mouth. So Peter grew in the faith enough to know, like I know from me, you know, first step in me. Like he said, he, the Bible's basically saying you can't learn anything and grow spiritually until you learn to shut your mouth. And the Bible says, I like the way it, what it says. It says, put it away from you. Colossians chapter 3, when it, says, when it says, keep your mind on things above where Christ is seated. Then it talks about our identity in Christ. But then Paul goes down and he starts listing things that are idolatry. And one of those things is slander and lying lips. And that's one of the things that he names of us putting off the old man. Peter says, put away. Paul says, put off. One of the things that you like this, the way you do this is just like changing clothes is the idea is God wants us to be Christian in how, Like, you know, you the Bible giving you the fruit of the spirit. One of the parts of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. What you utilize the cross for is you utilize the cross to access through the spirit self-control. That means you got to pray and ask him for help. And what you know you want to say, do like this. Like, why it's coming up on the tongue? You know how you're you about to regurgitate and this all lock up right here? And you know something about to come up, um, but you go drink some water? That's what we need to do with our tongue, spiritually. To keep our minds on thinking about, to, to grow spiritually. Many of us, our tongue is the main reason why we're not growing in the faith. Because our tongue reflects an attitude of perversion. But then, Ultimately, we got to know this. The Lord will judge our tongue. Verse 3 of Proverbs 15. It says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. In this context of this verse, it's saying, God is looking at and listening to what we say. Jesus says, in Matthew uh, chapter uh, 12, 36, it says, every careless word that comes out of a man's mouth, will have to give account for before God. Second Corinthians five, 10 says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Revelation, uh, Revelation, of course, 20 talks about the great white throne of judgment. But when we go before God as Christians before, um, before that, God is going to play back or God is going to judge how we use our tongue, not for whether or not we go to heaven and experience him eternally on earth and all of that, before the uh, before whatever way he rewards us. And so this is this is this is one of the last frontiers up for us. Many of us uh, for many of us controlling our tongues and not being a loose cannon. God has given us the grace in Christ to be able to control our tongue. And so we must access him through Christ to be able to begin to get our tongues under control. We're not working for it, but we're working from it. From salvation, not for it. So it's already in us through Christ to do it. The question is, are we unlocking it through self-control? And so I pray that God will make us wise beyond our years because we ponder, we chew on what we're going to say before we say it. And so I pray that we we, we so passionately don't want everybody to know what's on our minds too fast. It's always good for somebody to methodically think through what they're going to say. So I pray that we would learn the art form of being a kingdom lyricist. Having banging content, but a banging way to say it. So that in God's kingdom, we would be known as a wise community of people. Who are more welcoming than shunning. Amen. Father, we thank you for. Um, the gospel of Christ that sanctifies us, that grows us.